I apologize for a little longer commercial time than normal for this morning. Just have a lot of stuff that's happening in the life of our church, and good to share it with you. I want to invite you into a journey that God's been having me struggle with. It's a good struggle, but a struggle. And I want to invite you in through the question that God has been using to probe, to challenge me. And this is the question. How is it that you actually feel or experience the love of God? How is it that you actually experience God's love in your life? How, how, how do you feel it in your journey? I mean, we, we're a part of a faith, right, that, that the core revelation of who God is and all the pieces that build on it is founded on the set thing that God is love, right? And because He loved us, He created us. And because He created us, He sent His Son to redeem us. And in that, He has lavished upon us such a great love that we get to be called the children of God. And yet, many of us, myself included, when we're confronted with a question, how is it that we really feel the love of God? How do we experience it in our lives? We're like, oh, you know, we don't know. And that's troubling to me, you know. And the Spirit's been kind of just grabbing onto me, won't let me go with this question. There's a little bit of a conspiracy, I think, that's going on. And one of it is, just before I went on vacation, I had a chance to meet with a, another pastor in the area, a guy I didn't know before. And I, I think we were going to become friends. And he encouraged me to pick up a book that I read on vacation. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a church book. It's, I think it's actually written by Harvard uh, Business School. It came out of their publishing library, and it's tell you how up-to-date I am. It's been out long enough they've actually updated it, but it's entitled The Experience Economy. And their thought pattern is, is that really as we've kind of moved through, an, through the, the, the area of commodities to in the industrial period to the service economy, that the only place really to create new wealth, the only place to really create new jobs and things for the economy is to move into the experience economy. That people today aren't looking just to have a cake for their birthday. They want to go to Sturbridge Village and have an experience with their kids. You know, they don't want to just go and pick up a few things at the store. They want to go to Cabela's where there's, you know, mountain sides of animals and big, huge fish tanks and et cetera. And the list just kind of goes on and on. And they make some really good cases in there, but Part of what struck me and the reason why he recommended this book to me is that when you think about this, 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 this is an open door for the gospel that people are looking to experience, to have the positive memories, not just to make stuff up, but rooted in God's love for us, the fact that that is who he is, the way he's worked, that it really incorporates all of the gospel that God is looking for us to experience the love of God. And it makes me think, how is the church a part of that journey? But then the other part of that was I had a chance to meet with a gentleman and, you know, we were just visiting together and he was just updating me on his life and some other things that are going on. And, you know, this is a seasoned believer. Somebody's been walking with the Lord. Somebody's taught, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Very solid believer. And it's interesting, he, he made a statement to me and, I, and it was really more in the form of a question and I wasn't very happy with my answer. And so hence, I'm still kind of processing it. You know, he said, you know, I have no doubt that God loves me. I have no doubt that God, that 
that you know, I, I know the love of God, I trust in the love of God, I believe in the love of God. He said, but I'm just not really sure that I experience the love of God very much in my life. You know, so you, you, you try to respond, and then when, when he left, it's like, ah, those were crappy answers, pardon my French, you know, but you know, you, you know how, you know, it's like, you know, they just weren't satisfying. So I, I want to I wanna enter in we, to, a, to a, just a couple of week sermon series that I'm calling, Can You Feel It? Can You Feel It? And admittedly, I mean, we're talking about such a vast topic it's really kind of hard to bundle it up and kind of make, you know, and we're all different and we experience things differently, whatever. It's, I, 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 I liken it to the fact that it's, it kind of takes, you know, it took, took scientists, what, you know, up to like the late 1600s to figure out gravity, right? Because you, you're so immersed in it, you know, you can't really see it. And then all of a sudden the light goes on and, and there's ways in which we're so immersed in the love of God. It's all around us. It's in a, and, and yet... There's ways in which we really can't put our hands on it, you know. I, I, I'm a Star Trek fan, more of a Star Trek guy than a Star Wars guy, you know. But it's, and we used to watch the, the version of it, The Next Generation. And I don't know if some of you guys watched that. Remember the character Data on that? You watched the episode when they, he was trying to figure out what was funny? You know, I mean, it's, and they're trying to describe to him what's funny, and... and and he just can't get it, right? I mean, in some ways, it's, it's, this is such a big topic. Is how do you describe it in such a way that it really makes any sense because it's so overwhelming, but I'm going to try. You know? And, and, and my hope and my prayer is that somewhere along the line, there'll be something that will pop off to say, you know what? This is a pathway that I can pursue to actually experience this love of God that he has already lavished on us, as First John puts it, to be the children of God. And so today I'm going to take my first stab at it. I don't know what next week's going to look like yet, but, but here's my, my first stab at it. And I, I got two points, but because I'm a preacher, my second point has three points, so it's actually four points. But this, so this is a two-point sermon that actually has four points in it. And I was actually pretty good in math when I was, was in high school. Anyways, so how do, how do you step into this? I mean, God has revealed himself as love. No, no clearer, crisper, simpler, more foundational revelation of God that God is love. And the New Testament picks up on that, this whole journey, and says it is because God loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. How is it that you and I come to experience, to feel to, to know the reality, not just be able to believe in, trust in, build our lives on, but actually experience the love of God in our lives. And here's my first point. This one's very deep. Just ask God to experience His love. You know, I got, I got thinking about my prayer life over the last 12 to 24 months, and, and I could not remember a time when I simply prayed, God, I want to feel your love today. Maybe your experience is like mine. You know, we're praying for people we know who have needs, people who are sick. We're praying about problems to be solved. We're praying for our families. We're praying about ways in which we need to grow in faith, or we're preparing for some ministry that we're getting ready to do, or something we're trying to work out in a relationship. There's lots of stuff to pray about, but somewhere in the midst of there, we never simply just say, God, I want 
to experience. I want to feel your love. You know, Matthew 7, 7 puts it this way. Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you'll find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. This is Jesus right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount where he's defining what it means to be a follower, his follower, what he wants your life to be. He says, you know what, I want you to ask so you can receive. And the way James follows that up, he says, a lot of you, you know, you don't have because you don't ask, right? You know, he's using a little bit of a different context there in James chapter 3, but he, he talks about the fact that says you have not because you ask not. And a lot of us, myself included at times, one of the most fundamental breakdowns in our experience of the love of God is we simply never ask God to say, I want to feel your love. I want to feel it. And, 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 we, and I don't, sometimes we think it's selfish or whatever. I don't know. It's, just, it's all about work. And get, but God wants us to bask. He wants us to, be, he wants us to experience His love. He's looking to lavish upon us. And we simply need to ask. Now, it needs to take place in the context of faith, right? You know, as it says here in James 1, 6, it says, when we ask, we need to ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. You know, and there, and there is an aspect in which our request of God needs to take place in the context of faith. It's not just like, well, I don't want to have anything to really do with God. I don't want to follow God. I don't want to believe in God. I, I want to be able to define God for myself somehow, but at the same time, I want to feel God. You don't get to ask that way, you know, because God has loved the world, and that revelation goes on, so he gave his only begotten son, and we need to ask in the context of our faith in a God who has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ, became one of us, lived his life perfectly, paid the price on the cross to satisfy so that you and I can actually be in a position where God can lavish His love upon us because we have become children of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. But we need to ask. I need to ask. And one of the things I tell you is in this very first step is that you and I need to simply just move it up the list and say, you know what? I'm going to ask. Just ask God to experience his love. The second point, which is going to turn into three points, is some of you are familiar with the book, The love, the Five Love Languages. I don't know if you, any of you have ever read that book before. Written by Gary Chapman. Great book. Over three million different copies sold, etc. It's, it's, it really is a, a great, um, just, it's, a, it's an easy read. It's really a great resource for I think for families, for parenting, for marriages, for relationships in general, etc. But they're, 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 the premise is that each of us has a love language by which we communicate our love for other people. It can be through time, it can be through service, it can be through touch and various kinds of things, etc. And it's a really great read, but one of the stories that really stands out to me and it, every time I read the book is, is in the area of service, right? It's a Story, he tells the story of a young woman and her mom who were really kind of at odds with one another. You know, the, the, the girl had grown up in the home. She had graduated from high school, gone off to college. Then she had moved on, and she was in the early part of her adult career. She'd gotten a job and had moved away from home. And, and she came home for her, for her first visit, if you will, on holiday for after, after having moved out and started her own career. 
And she got up in the morning, and her mom had reverted to old habits. So she got up in the morning and laid out for her was her outfit for the day, all ironed. And, and some of you are familiar with the story. This, this, this young woman just blew a gasket. She just was like a volcano that erupted. She said, I am 25 years old. You can't be picking out my clothes. You've always tried to control me. And she just unloads on her mom. And the, and the mom is just standing there, and she has, she's just totally overwhelmed because her mom said, you know, I, I would have ironed anything you put out. I just didn't want you to have to get up in the morning and have to iron before you got off and went to school in the morning. Her, her mom was simply trying to love her through serving her and somehow was being all interpreted by her daughter as her mom was trying to control her in terms of what she wore. And, and the two love languages were just going right by each other. I'm going to suggest to you today that a lot of us are missing the ways in which God tells us that he loves us. Because we're just dialed into a different channel. God, God's speaking German and we're listening in English. You know, God, God's speaking to Kenny Rwandan and we have no idea what they're saying. You know, it, in other words, it, we're just on a whole different frequency. So part of my thought for us today is that for you and I to feel the love of God, we need to be listening and looking for the ways in which God reveals his love for us. We need to ask for it, but then we need to look for it in the ways that God reveals it to us. And I'm just going to give you three things. The first of those is what I call the history channel. You know, we need to dial into God's history channel related to his love for us. And let me pull up this verse from Galatians chapter 2. It's going to come up on the screen for you. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's writing to this church that's kind of a group of churches really in the, in the northeast part of what is today modern-day Turkey. And, and and I want you to notice the intimacy in the early part of this passage. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, in other words, while I'm here in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God. And so he's, he's talking about the fact it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ in me and me in Christ. And there's this, this real intense personal experience of the presence of Christ in his life. And here's what it's rooted in. Who loved me, past tense. And gave himself up for me. Past tense. A lot of the ways in which God demonstrates and communicates his love to us in the present is founded on the way that God has loved us in the past. And you and I often forfeit our experience of the love of God in our lives when we fail to remember and appreciate and just relish in the way that God has loved us in the past. You know, when, when you can look at so many different experiences throughout the Scriptures where God stepped in and loved people. When He chose Abraham just out of nowhere, where He showed great mercy to David. You know, where He, he, he used Moses, even though Moses had stumbled up and etc. The Damascus Road experience with, with the Apostle Paul and bringing him back from being a persecutor of the church and etc. It's an incredible stuff, but all of this, Paul is saying, he's looking back and saying, it is what God has done for us in Jesus Christ is this un, 
undeniable fact of history that God loves us. And everything that we experience, I, I, I relate it this way. You know, I, I don't know, I may be a, a little silly or whatever, but for the most part, we, Christina and I really make a pretty big deal out of our wedding anniversary every year. You know, I know sometimes, eh, you know, we just kind of, it's just another day, that kind of stuff. But we, we make a pretty big deal out of it because it points back to the 21st of July, 1984, when she and I got married. We were over at the Martha Mary Chapel in Sudbury. You know, I was over there a couple of years ago, and they actually have air conditioning in the building now. Not so back then. And it was a hot day, and I can remember being in this tuxedo, and I think we had ruffled, you know, the ruffled shirts and the bow ties. It's a different era. Heck, come on, have some compassion, right, you know? And I, I can remember feeling the sweat running down the side. Very romantic, right? The sweat running down inside my shirt and all those kinds of stuff. And yet, you know, we stood in that altar, and, and a lot of the ways that I can trust in and experience and feel the love of Christina's love for me on a daily basis is rooted back to that moment, standing at that altar with both of us sweating, me more than her, and, and, and saying, you know, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer and for poorer, for, in sickness and in health, it was, it was, it was all, and, and it was that, that, that commitment, that foundational act that is the, the source that builds, every, and everything else in the journey together has demonstrated the significance and the reality and the meaning of that, and you and I, we a lot of times forfeit our experience of the love of God because we just forget about what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ. And we need to dial in to the history channel. Here's my second point. Another way in which God reveals his love to us, wants us to experience and feel it, comes from, I think, in John chapter 14. You know, this is... It's the last night of Jesus' life. He's speaking to his disciples. He's talking about a lot of different things. The foot washing takes place. The Lord's Supper takes place. A lot of different elements. The promise of the Holy Spirit. But in the midst of this, Jesus has given some very detailed teaching to his disciples. And when you and I you, we read this passage, this is where we usually zero in. It's on the first part. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. That's what we zero in. What do I need to do? What command am I not obeying? We focus in on, on that aspect. Keep reading. And the one who loves me will be loved my father, by my Father. I will also love him. And look at this last phrase, and will reveal myself to him. Every single time you have a God sighting, one of these aha moments where a passage of Scripture comes to light or a truth is applied to your life and you find it, you know, it's just, it's, it's just useful in the right moment in a particular relationship or circumstance or part, season of your journey, a word of comfort that comes from the word of God or word of direction or whatever. Every single one of those, God is saying to you, I love you. He's revealing himself to you. And a lot of times that says, you know, it's just going right by. We don't even notice it. But, but when you and I are in the word and all of a sudden the lights go off and it's like, you know what? That's what this means to me. God's saying, I love you. When somebody walks up to you in your place of work or whatever and says, hey, you know, would you pray for my mom because she's real sick right now? God said, I love you. These God moments, these sacred moments. I, I remember one time my dad telling me about an experience. He told me about this years afterwards. I grew up in a, a small neighborhood in, in Sudbury and, and 
we had some neighbors just up the street. Their kids were a good five years younger than we were. And so by the time I was off to college or whatever, their kids were, yeah, they had two boys, actually had three boys. The youngest one was significantly uh, mentally ch- challenged, and, and, and the other two were, were, you know, were in the school system, that kind of stuff. But when they were in high school, these kids were, and, and just out of high school, these kids were, were going off. I mean, they were on drugs, getting into crime, doing all these kinds of things. And, and this guy was a pretty successful graphic artist, making a good living with a major company in our area. And, and I remember my dad telling me, he called me up. He called up my dad and said, I really need to meet with you. Can I come and meet you at your office? And a guy showed up at my dad's office. And, and they, I mean, they knew each other a little bit from the neighborhood, but they, they, they weren't palsy. And this guy said, what did you do with your kids? You know, because I, I'm, I'm just dying here with my own kids. And my, my dad had an opportunity to share with him the, the significance of his faith and the role that the church had played and a lot of other things. And, and in that moment, that's one of those moments where God's saying, I love you. I'm revealing this opportunity of my, this opportunity for you to serve him. I'm saying, I love you. Every time you and I have a God sighting in our lives, God's saying, I love you. The one who keeps my commands, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will also love him and will reveal myself to him. Every time God shows himself to you, he's saying, I love you. And we need to be dialed into that channel and make sure we're aware. I got one more. I don't like the last one. You know, I wish I could just get my pen, cross this passage of Scripture and a few others like it out of the, out of the Bible. But it's, it's from Proverbs chapter 3, the 12th verse. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves. Every single time you suffer a consequence for, obeying, for disobeying God's revelation in your life, God's saying, I love you. You know, every single time that you kind of get off the beaten track and start getting off and you get stuck in the mud, and God wenches you back out with His grace and gets you back on the right path. God's saying, I love you. You know, I, I can remember as a kid, my, my dad grew up as a farm boy, right? So life was a little different for him. And with that, he, he raised us. A, so it was not unusual when we got into trouble, whether it was at school, if I happened to get in a fight in school at the, on the playground or whatever, that he would, he would take the belt to us across the old fanny. I can tell you that never felt like love when I was a kid. But when I did my dad's funeral a little over a year ago, that's part of the way that I knew that he loved me. Probably could have gone about the discipline just a little different. But the fact making sure that the consequences were there with the action was a part of the way he showed that he loved me. And as you get older, you can see that. Well, listen. God loves us. And every single time that God disciplines us, lets us feel the consequences of our disobedience, whether it's lying, cheating, not handling our sexuality the way that God wants us to, and the list could just go on and on. There's a number of different ways, issues of stewardship or unforgiveness or anger or whatever it is. All those kinds of things. God uses 
those consequences. And when he disciplines us, we can look it in the eye and say, you know what, God loves me. God loves me. It's hard to receive, but it's part of the way that God communicates it to us. So you know what? My invitation to us today is this. Ask. You want to experience God's love? Ask God to experience it in your life. Secondly, listen to the way God shares his love with us. Let's make sure we're dialed in and listening to the right love languages. You know, we're not done yet. We'll be dealing with this same topic next week about how we can experience, feel, live in the midst of God's love in our lives. But today, let me just say, kind of end with this question for us. You know, God indeed loves us. Can you feel it? Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for your word and all the things that it seeks to teach us. God, we're grateful for the confidence, the knowledge that we can have that you love us. But God, we don't want to be content with that. We know that you've loved the world. You've loved every single person who's a part of the world. And because of that, you gave your son. And in him, you've lavished a great love on us to be your children. God, we want to feel your love. Work in us. Shape us, grow us, challenge us, transform us. That we might experience the greatest gift that you can give to us. That's the feeling and experience of your great love. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.